On this episode of The Playbook, I have Jamie Roots, the former president of the Houston Texans, and he's going to give up his winning game plan to success. That's right. Join me for all this and more on The Playbook. This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. I have another extraordinary entrepreneur, Jamie Roots, COO of a SPAC, former president of Lone Star Sports and Entertainment, the other LSSE, which I'll get into, and of course, former president of the incredible franchise, the Houston Texans. But Jamie has recently, uh, last, I believe, November, wrote a book called The Winning Game Plan, which is exactly in the playbook's wheelhouse uh jamie welcome to the playbook and i can't wait to learn about the winning game plan well david thank you for having me on i uh i've admired you from afar we we, we've been in separate universes but uh in the sports industry but you you've certainly got a reputation that precedes you well thank you i started my sports careers you know at the other lsse lee steinberg sports and entertainment so it was fun when i saw those acronyms i'm like wait a second uh, but it's even more fun for me because you know how closely knit the industry is, but yet you get to see someone's face and you're like, oh, yeah, I know exactly who that is and reacquaint ourselves. Um, but number one, you know, you recently released this book, The Winning Game Plan. You know, after everything that you're involved with, everything you've done, why did you decide during COVID to release this type of book uh, and a book in general? Yeah, it's interesting because the uh, the timing wasn't related to COVID. I, when I made the decision, finally, I said, look, I'm either I have to stop thinking about writing a book or I have to go and do it. And I made the decision. And then over the several week period before I got started, you know, a COVID hit. And so I stayed committed to it. I, I thought it was important to um, go ahead and dump out the uh, the uh, principles that uh, that I wanted to espouse. And it's been really gratifying to, you know, really mainly uh, uh, college grads, college students interested in sports, interested in leadership. They've really gravitated towards this, got a lot of great feedback. And so I'm glad we got it out there. And uh, then we'll move on to, to, to what's next. Yeah, well, it is empowering. And some of the things that you covered, I'd like to get into. Um, just for example, everyone has a different definition of a leader. So I was hoping maybe you could share your definition of a leader and anything that distinguishes a great leader from a leader for you and your experience. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, leadership and management kind of get, uh, you know, thrown together. And there you do toggle between the two as you're leading an organization. You're Got the administrative function, but you also have the the visionary and the uh, and the next next generation of what we're going to be uh, function. And so, uh, leadership is about the you know what it what it is that all of us want to get. You know, we're keeping people focused on keeping the eye on the prize. I um, you know uh, Tom Landry said leadership is. Do, getting people to do what they don't want to do in order to get what they do want to get, right? No one wants to run wind sprints, but everybody wants to win on Sunday, right? And so that's, that is the essence of leadership. On the management side, it's understanding the individual. You know, what, what is it that makes this person tick? And how do I get the most out of them in their role? Or is there a different role? And so 
I think as a leader, you're, you're toggling back and forth between the two of them, but it, it, you know, that leaders get distracted into the business itself and, and wind up spending so much time uh, working in the business that they don't spend the time working on the business, which is where are we headed? What are the opportunities that we have? What are the challenges that we need to be prepared for? And making sure that the organization is ready to, uh, you know, to, to take that next step. And, you know, as a leader, being that intelligent follower, you build this specific team around you. Your SPAC that you're the COO of uh, is a sports team-focused SPAC. Um, and it raises the question to me, and, you know, I don't want to bring up the past for you because you did such a good job of building the right people on your team for the Texans. And that seems to be the problem right now with the Texans is they may or may not be able to have the right people on their team. And it causes so much uh, turmoil and, you know, creates these obstacles, voids and shortages to success. Um, what are some of the tips that you have to get the right people on your team? Because you've been so successful at doing that all the way through today as COO of the sports team focused SPAC that you have? Yeah, so David, the, you know, when you think about the questions that you wrestle with as a leader, I mean, there's uh, the uh, what, when, and where, you know, the, just the blocking and tackling of running the business, but that underneath that are the, really the essential questions of who, how, and why. And the, the who, the talent, the people, so incredibly important, making sure that you have the right people, the most talented people possible, but just their ability to do what they do is, is necessary, but not sufficient. You also have these intangibles that are required. And, and as I think about the experience with the Houston Texans, we talked often about the uh, having a great work ethic, right? And then having a winning attitude, positive, optimistic, team-oriented, you know, those, and, and a, a desire to operate consistently with the values of the organization, which links you to the second question of how, how do we do what we do, which is the culture, right? So the culture is, is, is how we do what we do. And so we took values, hard to understand values on a wall, you know, posted on a wall. You have to have something that can be operationalized. And so we transitioned that into um, habits, the habits that we were looking for from our people, which is I-M-P-A-C-T, impact. We wanted folks that were innovative, memorable, that were passionate, accountable, courageous, and team-oriented. And so, and again, it's a bit of a guessing game, but evaluating employees, are they interested in operating under this umbrella of impact? And if yes, you know, and they have the abilities, the, the skills to do the job, then more often than not, you'll be successful. But, you know, the human business is so difficult getting the right people. And then the third po point is purpose. You know, why are we here? You know, what, what, what unique human needs do we fulfill and, and how can that be inspiring for our employees? And we tried to codify it down into two things, into three things, win championships, of course, when you're with a sports team, I mean, that's got that got to be at the center of the bullseye, right? But it's more than that. It's uh, creating memorable experiences, bringing people together, mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and, and, and bonding people like nothing else and rituals and traditions and being part of something bigger than yourself. And then number three is do great things for Houston, you know, uh, benefiting the community in an exceptional way so that whether you care about the team or the sport or not, you do care that the, the team is invested in the community. And you know, I was saying uh, 
if you want to make God laugh, come up with a well-developed plan. And every playbook has a well-developed plan. You've been around enough head coaches, general managers, and presidents in your career to know well-developed plan. But there's two things in a playbook that we don't normally cover that your book covers, which I thought was really interesting. In your winning playbook, in your book, you talk about handling two things, adversity, which everybody should expect if they are a leader, but you also talk about handling success. And that was something when I was young, uh, I didn't handle very well. And we see that with athletes a lot of times. They don't handle, they can handle adversity all day long. You give them the ball, fourth down and goal to go. We, we've seen these guys, spirit of excellence takes over. There's no problem handing adversity, but handling success, now that's a real challenge. So how do you and your playbook deal both with adversity, but also with the success? Yeah, David, that's a great point. Because uh, Dom Capers, who is the original coach of the Houston Texans, liked to say that uh, uh, for every uh, 10 players that can handle adversity, there's only one that can handle success. Because it really is a silent assassin. It doesn't punch you in the face like adversity does. And you have to respond, forces, forces you to respond. It just kind of lulls you into a false sense of security. And so as you think about handling adversity, it's about, it's about pushing back. It's about staying positively focused, focus on the things that you can control and try to you know, counterbalance the negativity that you're hearing with, with the positivity because negativity is so, I um, mean, it's just like a magnet. It, it, you, know, you, need to, you need to stay balanced there. And then believing that you can overcome and then persevering. It's really just hanging in there longer than the other guy. Uh, Rosebeth Moscanner wrote the book, Confidence said the difference between winning and losing so often is how long people give it before they give up. So just hanging in there is incredibly important as you're battling adversity. But in terms of handling success, number one is about staying humble, right? That uh, you're understanding that just because you've been successful in the past doesn't mean you won't be, you can be successful going forward. You've got to stay humble. Number two is stay focused and staying focused on your success habits. I remember you know, J.J. Watts signed a $100 million contract. He said, sent a text. He said, uh, from, the, uh, uh, from the weight room at five in the morning. He said, this is how I'm going to respond to being paid. You know, when, when that's your attitude, you can overcome the challenges that come with success. Number three is, is staying balanced. You know, uh, over time, you can't, you know, in, a, in the near term, you can be focused on, you know, your, your business, your, your family, um, your, yourself, but over time, you've got to balance between the three. And then last is to keep going, keep setting higher targets for yourself. You know, uh, with, without high, higher targets, you're not going to have the energy and the enthusiasm to, you know, continue to, to, to uh, realize the kind of results that you've seen in the past. Yeah, it's amazing those stories about J.J. Watts. And, you know, I'm thinking about Russell Wilson. One of the ones that won me over about Russell was when uh, he lost the Super Bowl on that you know, unfortunate play at the goal line. And Pete Carroll took accountability. Russell Wilson, t- it was almost like the whole team was, you know, fighting for accountability, unlike other players that you and I have seen that go to blame, shame, and justification. But the Tuesday after the Super Bowl, Russell Wilson was at the hospital just like he was every other Tuesday volunteering his time. See, that's the, the things that you and I can see in the winning playbook to success, the humility, right. win or lose, right? And you and I both know what a Super Bowl must be like 
for us to be at one, which we both have been, but I could imagine playing in a Super Bowl, losing on the last play, flying back to Seattle so I could be in the hospital Tuesday morning uh, is an incredible uh, testament to what it takes to have a winning playbook. Uh, to that point, you also talk about selling through people. And when I, when, when I say that, you know, a lot of people want to be leaders. They you know, want people to listen to them. They, they think their children are for them. You know, mine are through me. I sell through people. And you talk about it in the terms of create raving fans. Uh, because those raving fans create more momentum and more positive energy and more fans for you. How important is it to create those raving fans and how do you sell through the fans so you're empowering other people to empower other people? Yeah, I mean, it's really the essence of building a brand. It's a positive word of mouth, doing things that are uncommon. And I mean, if you just do the, the, the bare essentials, you satisfy people, that gives you a level of loyalty until a better option comes along. If you really focus on loyalty, if you focus on raving fans, folks that are so, they're just so impressed by the reaction that you've had to a difficult situation, the way that you've treated them uh, on a one-to-one -one situation, and that being the mindset cons consistently that we just, you know, whatever it takes to turn somebody into a raving fan, which is measured by, the propensity for somebody to go out and tell someone else about the experience. That's how you, I mean, that's really the essence of brand building. And, you know, building a brand also, uh, there's one more challenge that we face in playing in negotiating and in, in executing as a COO of your SPAC. And it's the end, you know, this attachment to the Super Bowl, to the championship, this emotional attachment to the end, uh, in your style of management and leadership, how does the end play a role in the mindset, the heart set, in the pragmatic practice that it takes to play to win? Yeah, well, you know, if you think about the National Football League, you have 32 teams, right? 31 are going to end the season disappointed. One is going to be a champion, and they're going to move forward. So, But everybody else has got to deal with the dejection of not having realized what their going-in aspiration was. And that's okay. The, the goal is not, will, it can't be, did we or didn't we? It, can, it needs to be, did we invest everything that we could? Did we exhaust ourselves in the pursuit of a championship? And if we did, and if we did, the results are okay. And then we'll reset and we'll go at it again. And I think fans, they, they don't express this, but I think they understand that if you're fully committed to winning a championship, it's, you know, the, the odds are that it's not going to happen but they're, they're, they're investing of themselves year after year, as long as you're in, in it and you're totally committed to it because they never know when it is going to happen. And, you know, to that ends perspective, you've moved on from the Texans. You've had one of the dream roles. I've been blessed to be offered one of the dream roles in baseball and, you know, really had to sit down as a child and, you know, you and I grew up, it was all about sports uh, I'm sure you're like me, you probably wanted to be a professional athlete yourself. And, uh, you know, to get those types of position where there's only one of them uh, out of 32 in the world uh, and then walk away from it. Um, what were some of the things that you decided were important to you when you decided to walk away from the Texans and utilize this new SPAC in order to effectuate, I think, a much broader and global opportunity? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what the next opportunity will be for me, 
but I did feel like it was a, a you know a, a transition point for the franchise and a transition point for myself professionally. I'm 55 years old. I've had an experience that has been unmatched over the last 20 years, five years leading a pro uh, soccer team and then 20 years with the Houston Texans. And so um, I'm, I'm working towards what that next opportunity will be. And I, it probably will be my last opportunity, the last thing that I'll do in my career. But, you know, I, I'm not at, uh, at a point where I can reveal what that is yet. But I do love leading sports teams. I have spent a, uh, an amount of time over the last several months evaluating several different approaches to my career going forward. And, you know, stay tuned. I, I certainly am. Last thing real quick. I love to ask sports people, especially uh, executive football people, you know, their most either emotional or motivating quote or story that they have their go-to, you know, that one moment, you know, for me, it's Lee Steinberg told me, be kind to your future self, do good deeds. It's something that I use a, as a moniker in my life to simplify all the complexity that and chaos that we get to experience in the jobs that we have. Uh, but for you, do you have one of the go-to motivational comments, uh, speeches or stories or quotes? Yeah, I'll tell you, the, this transition time has, has made it difficult on me because of the, the quote that is most inspiring to me. And it's from Vince Lombardi that uh, you need to be fired with enthusiasm or you will be fired with enthusiasm. And so I've always believed me that is that is really that's where it starts. So I've never heard that one. That's so good. I, uh, I was like, I go to Lou Holtz as well too, who said, it's not what you say, it's what they hear. And uh, having four children, it's not what you say, it's what they hear. And running a business is not what you say, it's what you hear. And you are an enthusiastic leader, an incredible uh, sports executive as well. And I can't wait to see, uh, please let us know when, when you land that next new opportunity. In the meantime, everyone has to grab the winning game plan. If you don't have a winning game plan, you're not going to win. It's that simple. Thank you so much. It's been just an amazing experience here with Jamie Roots, CEO of his SPAC and former president of LSSE, former president of the Houston Texans, and who knows what comes next. Thanks for joining me, Jamie.